first and now the official Lions podcast is back. Great of all of you to join us as always as we continue to, well, we're trying to be efficient here on offense, ball control, time of possession. We're trying to get toward 2021, confident, hopeful we'll be back on the field and better than ever and a perfect time as well to Remind those uh, that uh, First and Now is a presentation of IA Financial Group. IA Financial Group has over 125 years of experience helping Canadians. Proudly Canadian, IA Financial Group has over 7,000 employees and more than 4 million clients serving Canadians with a foundation of trust from coast to coast. IA Financial, invested in you. Contact your financial advisor for more information. And um, always great to have this gentleman on. His name is Neil McAvoy, the Lions Director of Football Operations, uh, the current title. And it's fitting because um, we're planning getting ready to celebrate Grey Cup Unite. And Neil, uh, thanks for coming on again. And we'll start there kind of. I'm sure this time of year uh, you always get a little nostalgic, eh, when it comes to your own personal Lions Grey Cup memories because you've been a part of what, four of them? Four wins? Three or four wins? Yeah, um, three wins. Well, we played, we actually lost in 04, right. if you remember. But to be quite honest, uh, I get nostalgic because Grey Cup, as a Canadian, I love the Grey Cup championship, regardless. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we want the BC Lions to be in it, but uh, Grey Cup is an amazing an event, an amazing sports event that I love and will continue to watch and have well in the old days before 2020 we used to have parties if we weren't in it we would have a great cup party and if we were in it obviously you know we were there um the the worst part about being in the great cup championship is that you weren't able to host your great cup party and have a good time with your friends but obviously you want to be in it and uh, not be at the party but a second best being at the party is also cool too. So, but yeah, we we played we played in Grey Cup. My first Grey Cup was two thousand, and uh, we beat Montreal, and then we lost to Toronto in 04, beat Montreal in in '06, and of course beat the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in twenty eleven. Well, and I will encourage you on Grey Cup Saturday. It will be Neil, uh, you, and all the listeners. Head to the BC Lions virtual den, the truly hard seltzer virtual den. I had a great conversation with Damon Allen, Lou Pisaglia, Sean Millington, Robert Drummond, Carl Kidd, Jamie Terrace, oh, wow. uh, some of the great stories about 2000. The 2000 Lions, Neil, you were there. You were on the field coach, and I yep. saw your uh, some visuals of you on the sidelines. Never trailed in the playoffs. Yep. Never trailed in the playoffs, the 2000 Lions. I'm sure you remember that. You know what? Um, that whole season was a whirlwind. I know we were only eight and ten, but I remember um, in 1999 we thought we had a really good football team and actually lost to the Calgary Stampeders mm-hmm. in the West Final. And to be quite honest, that 1999 game was my first um, BC Lions game, which really, really was a big deal. You know, uh, I started with the club in 96 and just after the Grey Cup in 94, but, you know, 96, 97, 98, and then 99, we had that Western final against the Calgary Stampeders and actually lost. But 
I remember it just being um, a lot more intense than I remember any other game previous to that. And we thought we had a really good football team and, and um, could have actually won that 1999 game. We just kept on giving the ball back to Calgary. And, um, you know, football as a game of yards. We just kept on punting 10 yards back, doing out, punting 10 yards back. And, they, you know, it was a game of possessions and they just finally beat us. But going into 2000, we thought that we were going to have a good football team too. And we, in the preseason, I know it doesn't always equal how you're going to do, but we beat Edmonton in the first preseason game and thought, okay, here we go. Yeah, I know it's only preseason, but let's go and host the Calgary Stampeders, put a beat down on them, and then start the season. And they proceeded to beat us pretty bad, like 36-3 or something ridiculous. And um, we did finish 20, 2008 and 10. We had a coaching change halfway through the year, so it was a whirlwind. And once we hit the playoffs, we were hot, though, and we had a team that uh, was tough to beat, and ultimately uh, we're great cup champions at the end of the day. Yeah, you bring up 99. I just remember as a kid, 94, um, McManus to Flutie. My dad yeah. immediately rushes out to Ticketmaster, buys Grey Cup tickets for the following week. And 99, that was our plan again, watching the Western Final. Okay, we'll go to the – if the Lions win, we'll go to the Grey Cup. But it didn't happen that time, uh, unfortunately. Um, and, and that's what makes the victories in 2000 sweeter. Same with 2006. Um, there's a piece at our website, bclions.com, next week. I spoke with Dave Dickinson as well, talked about 2006, him yeah. personally getting the monkey off his back. But then that was, again, Neil, you were there. 2005, we remember what happened. 2004, you referenced a minute ago. Um, yeah. <laughs> these losses you mentioned really make the Grey Cup wins all that more. You appreciate those more, right? Yeah, you want to, you know, yeah. I mean, you, we were lucky enough in 19, in 2000 to get back because obviously we didn't have the same team. But it turned out we had a better team because we were able to, um, as you say, knock off guys. And in 2006, those years were just a better football team altogether. Starting in 94 when we were in the Grey Cup, in, sorry, in 04 when we were in the Grey Cup, 05 we had a really good football team. 06. I mean, those 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 were really good years for the BC Lions. Um, and I remember just you know the night. The, I think it was the either the 04 Western Final or the 06 Western Final with you know the 55,000 football fans going in there. And I just really was amazed at how amazing it is to be a, you know in front of a crowd like that. So it was, it was really cool. Yeah, I was there at all those, and uh, yeah, we got to get back there. We'll get back there. Uh, we'll get back to the games, and, and the fans will pack in. The sun will will shine once again. And I got to tell you, I mean, obviously the goal next year, 2021, the goal for us is to be in Hamilton for the Great Cup, but I got to get invited to your party one of these days, Neil. It's, what is it? Yeah, it's a very, very uh, top-notch list, uh, under lock and key. Unfortunately, nowadays it has to be under lock and key. So Yes. Uh, well, you, you'll get a – you get an email three minutes before it starts. Before <laughs> that game in, in 04, um, the biggest game I had gone to as a BC Lion, other than Grey Cup, was in 1988. I think it was 88 when Roy DeWalt came back to BC Place as a Winnipeg Blue Bomber. And there was 50,000 people there to greet him with booze, and it was just it was awesome. And they lost. BC beat them handily, but it was cool to see 
you know, going to BC Place to watch Roy DeWalt as a bomber because, you know, he was obviously a long-time BC bomber. Wow. Yeah, and then, uh, watching some of these highlights of all these old Western finals with Winnipeg and uh, yeah. even, even John Huffnagel was in at quarterback for the Bombers in one of those. I think that was 85 when they pulled uh, Tom Clements. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, so um, in 85, if I remember correctly, now you're going back, I was a little bit young then, but I obviously watched, but the BC Lions played the Winnipeg Blue Bombers at one of the last games of the season. And I believe if they had won, they, they won first place. And Lou Pasaglia punting from, I, I, in my mind, I have, he was punting from center field and he pinned, uh, the, the game was tied and Louie pinned them in the end zone for the one point and the win and the, you know, ability to host. Now I might be off on my details, but that, as a young kid watching that, that's the D, that's, that's what I remember. I remember Louie kicking it into the end zone and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers trying to get it out. And, you know, someone like, I don't know, John Currency or one of those guys tackling the Bombers before, like, just on the minus one-yard line in the end zone to, uh, you know, get the one point on the win. See, that's one of the other reasons we love the game. It's uniquely Canadian, Neil. So. Correct. Yeah, it was awesome. There you go. And, uh, again, we encourage you and the listeners, uh, keep it tuned to bclions.com. All next week, uh, we've rolled out plans for our Grey Cup Unite uh, you know, and at the league level, at the CFL events, uh, the Lions will be well represented there. Coach Campbell will join the Dickinsons for uh, Craig and Dave for the coaches' press conference. And we're not going to have a great cup, but it's going to feel like a great cup because we're going to have all these great events and, and everybody's going to be coming together. Uh, as we continue along here with Neil McAvoy on episode 40, milestone episode, first and now, um, we're going to shift gears a little bit here and actually talk about, like we're saying, planning to hit the field in 2021. And you're a big part of that now. And it's our first time uh, chatting with you uh, publicly here since uh, Ed Hervey's departure. And, you know, what does that change for you? It's yourself and coach Campbell that are kind of uh, leading the charge here as far as, far as football operations goes. Um, what's the day-to-day grind of that looking like right now, Neil? Well, um, Matt, I would hope that I was a big part of it before Ed had left, but um, I think you were. Sure. <laughs> um, yeah, do you know what? To be quite honest, things are moving along just as they regularly do. I mean, um, in this business, you have a schedule. You know, albeit the COVID has put a damper on uh, what our typical schedule would be, but, you know, coming up, we're going to have to start looking at free agents. We currently have a football team of you know, about 100 players. And, you know, um, usually if this was a regular year, we would have had only 65 or even less than that. So 2021, yeah, it's uh, the grind has started. And, uh, you know, this, this gives us an opportunity. Usually you're, you're, you're so busy at this time of year playing and concluding the season and getting ready for 2021. Well, now we're not really concluding the season, so we're just getting ready for 2021. So it gives you – a little bit more time to really film, evaluate um, the players you have, and, and uh, you know, just do an exact analysis of um, you know of the roster we have. So moving into 2021, we can make the uh, changes that uh, we may or may not need to do. And one of the things yeah. we were really wondering about was how would they do the the Canadian draft and. The CFL announcing uh, last week about how it's a random draw, picks one through nine, snake draft. So 
you pick ninth, you pick first in the second round, you pick first in the first round, you go last in round two, vice versa. Um, how intriguing is that? And uh, what type of wrench, if any, does that throw into your plans for the Canadian draft? Because that's another day that's really important to you on your calendar. Yeah. Um, luckily for us, we have a great guy in Ontario by the name of Rob Ralph, who is an amazing um, talent evaluator and is uh, one of the best when it comes to uh, three down football. And so him being on our side and giving us the information, he's about usually two years in advance on um, the guys. So we're going to have to go off of his extensive knowledge and, um, you know, we have, you know, I think it's going to be, it's going to be tougher and, or no, I wouldn't say tougher, just different. Um, the Canadian kids, unfortunately, weren't able to play, but at some point we're going to be able to go watch their film um, from a year ago or what it would be two years ago then, or, you know, a season anyway. So, um, you know, it's going to be different. And, but, you know, no doubt we will still have the, uh, you know, be able to pick the top player available. Uh, the, uh, the fact that the draft, the snake draft to, you know, the historic, you know, fantasy football draft or, you know, that, that's what we, we used to do it when we were younger. You know, maybe the first pick overall isn't as coveted as the ninth pick because at, with the ninth pick, you pick, you know, two of the top ten because you pick in ninth and then tenth, whereas the first pick, you get the first pick, but then you don't pick again till 18th. So, yeah, just um, another wrench, another, you know, uh, decision we'll have to make, another problem we'll have to solve, but uh, all the exciting problems to have. And I just, you know, the, the, the 2021 Canadian Football League draft is, uh, you know, it's going to be different, but again, something we can't wait to tackle. Yeah. And again, when we do hit the field for camp uh, next May, June, whenever it is, a lot has to be worked out, but yeah. it's going to be very intriguing. It always is intriguing when you get everyone together, but. We're going to have our 2020 draft class member, linebacker Jordan Williams, first overall after the trade. Uh, we're going to see Nathan Rourke at quarterback, see how he fits into this offense. Um, you're essentially going to have two rookie draft classes showing their stuff together for the first time. And yep. no, no territorial uh, players, is that correct? Was that part of the new rules? Explain that one. Well, no, not necessarily. So the territorial player, we will have territorial players. Uh, territorial players to us are uh, kids who are under our jurisdiction. So currently the guy's playing junior. Mm -hmm. So uh, there will be uh, undoubtedly some junior kids coming to our training camp. The territorial picks that uh, they were talking about were the um, extra picks that teams had gotten after the second round for a, uh, you know, less than superior record. And so the last couple of years, I think Toronto had a territorial pick and Montreal had a territorial pick. Yeah. What that meant is after the second round, they were able to pick a player who was from um, their city. Gotcha. Um, for us, uh, the territorial pick, our territorial draft, our territorial juniors will still be involved and uh, part of our football team as they always have been. And that's good news because go back to last year, an example, Javon Katoy. Um, yeah. You were you played a big role in in making sure he came to camp. And <laughs> what do you know? Yeah, we had Javon Katoy as the Langley Ram and uh, uh, Pockernick, the kid who was the reigning uh, 2019 Canadian Junior Football League Offensive Player of the Year, 
is currently under contract for us. And, you know, uh, we, we want to see those guys up against, you know, pro athletes. And, you know, Javon Katoy is a good example, a player who, you know, uh, does he have the ability to do it? Well, I, I don't know until you put him on the field to see what he does. And so we've always been cognizant of the junior programs in our province, and they have always been able to produce good athletes and historically go down the line from Andrew Harris to Sean White to Devon Katoy, all products of the BC Junior Football League who, you know, we will continue to monitor and bring players in as we see fit. And that'll be another intriguing uh, part of it. Um... Speaking of guys uh, taking opportunities uh, and running with them, and it's it's twofold because we want to see him succeed, but we also want him back on our team if things don't work out. Uh, Monday night football, Sergio Castillo kicking field goals and uh, doing a nice job there with the New York Jets. Uh, how cool is that to see him uh, get a chance and and do well? Yeah, um, really cool. Yeah, you know what? It's it's nice to see your ex-players um, go on to do bigger and better things or bigger things. Um, it's nice. It's really nice to see nice guys too. Like Sergio is, Sergio is an amazing human being and uh, a good guy that we would certainly love to have back. But from what we've seen or what we, you know, it looks like he's, you know, one thing we've always said, um, I've always said, if you're a kicker, I don't care what league you kick in. If you're kicking for the White Rock Titans or the, Nashville Titans, um, you if you can kick, you have the ability to kick. That's one of the positions in football that in, in reality doesn't matter what level you're at. If you can kick the football, you can do it. So Sergio, you know, having an extensive background in pro football and given the ability has ran with it, and I'm hoping that uh, he's able to stick. And that looks, you know, from, from what we've seen, there's no reason to, to look and, and seem that he won't at least get an ability to compete again at a camp and, uh, you know, we'll be cheering for him. Yeah, I had Ty Long on a previous episode a few weeks ago of First and Now, and uh, he, he, he had some good insight on kicking in L.A., and uh, he had obviously had uh, some pretty good access to that whole Justin Herbert thing where he had to start uh, against Kansas City uh, on an emergency basis there, and even Richie Leone uh, was with back with the Arizona Cardinals. He was actually with them, um, not as an active player, but with them when they beat San Francisco there in week one. So um, Richie Leone might be the best holder in pro football. Okay? Figure that out. The best holder. Really good punter. Can kick field goals, but might be the best holder. And one day I think uh, that's going to – hopefully get him a job in the NFL he, as could, well. he could kick field goals if, uh, if he was called yep. upon. That's what I said. Yeah, he's an amazing punter, a good, good field goal kicker, but arguably the best holder in pro football. Yes. Um, yeah, what a time. Um, yeah, and it's good to see for those guys. I mean, uh, working for this team, we have – that's one of the great things, again, about this league and this team, uh, the, the access we get to players, and we're on a first-name ba basis. And I'm – texting with Sergio this morning saying, yeah, it was great to watch you last night. And, you know, everyone, everyone on Twitter is all snarky about, oh, both these teams want to lose, and it's all about tanking for Trevor Lawrence. And, hey, I just want to see Sergio Castillo kick field goals. And we did. I agree. Right? It was awesome. I agree, yeah. I mean, it couldn't have happened to a better guy. He's a really good guy. The guy that we'll welcome back with open arms. But, you know, that's yet to be seen.
We shall see. Um, well, we got you for a couple more minutes. Um, you're coaching uh, these days yourself, right? I mean, what's keeping you busy outside of the offices? Well, my son is in grade eight at Sullivan Heights, and they have a, a four-down football team, which, you know, coaching four-down football is a little different, but not playing games, we're coaching. So um, we go out twice a week and just uh, run around and um, – Social distance coaching is a little different than what I'm used to, but at the end of the day, it's nice to get out and see the kids with their pads and helmets on and at least go through some of the motions that make it look like a, you know, organized activity. And uh, so, um, yeah, doing that and just, uh, you know, continually trying to build a football team for the BC Lions, and that's what we're going to continue to do. Rick and I meet pretty much daily. And, uh, you know, we're just going to continue to do that until they tell us to stop, which hopefully will be never. No, uh, yeah, crazy. Uh, middle Heading into the middle of November here would have been Grey Cup week uh, next week. And, yeah, it just seems like, uh, seems like only yesterday, really, where we had our first day working from home. And I thought oh, this might only last a few days, but we all know what 2020 uh, has become. And, uh, again, yeah. um, all we can hope is that it sets up a bigger year next year. Yeah, we were going into the office actually four days a week um, for the last three weeks, just sort of getting into a semi-routine, getting there early and doing some stuff and then, you know, leaving around one or two. And unfortunately now that's been, you know, even pulled back even more because of the uh, you know, new restrictions. But um, hey, we'll listen to the, the health professionals and hopefully get back to normal as soon as we can. You look on the bright side, you don't have to put pants on. Uh, I still dress up going to the office, even if it's just me, okay? It's a professional work environment. It's professional football, as you say, right? Correct. Yeah. That's right. All right. Uh, he is Director of Football Operations, Neil McAvoy, and uh, this has been Episode 40 of First and Now. Uh, for all those listening on iTunes, Spotify, Google, Apple Podcasts, bclines.com, leave us a review, will you? And uh, we encourage you to stay to our website, bclions.com, all of our social channels, because uh, we're going to have lots of cool Grey Cup chatter for these next several days. Neil, I'll get you, let you get back to putting a winning team on the field, pal. And uh, I'll uh, eagerly anticipate the invite to your virtual Grey Cup party next week, okay? Can't wait. Keep on checking your email. Thanks, man. Hey, cheers. <laughs>